ball is high. It is far. It is gone to win the game. The Mets are on their way back. World champions for the 27th time. Home plate for all things Major League Baseball. This is the Nosebleeds Podcast on WFUV Sports. How's it going, everybody? We are back. Another episode of Nosebleeds on this March 30th of 2021. Regular season preview time with opening day just two days away. We preview the Yankees, Mets with regular season predictions, Francisco Lindor's contract situation, very public on Twitter, Steve Cohen, asking some fans about that one. And should the Yankees be gunning for the regular season home run record? Here to break it all down with you. The guy on the other side of my Zoom screen is Dylan Balsamo. I'm Nick DeLuca. Dylan, happy, happy opening day week to you. This is one of my favorite times of the year. Baseball finally back this time around in 2021, and we're going to have some fans in the stands. So I'm really excited about that. But just uh, uh, so much going on in trying to get a handle on what is going to be really a unique 2021 regular season. Yes, happy opening uh, week to you as well, Nick. Uh, always a pleasure to talk with you. Um, I will say opening week is always, for me, a time where I like to remember what it usually means. Like the, it's the embodiment of spring itself. It's the emergence of something new, something great. Uh, makes me think of being a little kid again. Um, and, you know, this season is going to be weird. And it, uh, you and I are going to be spending a lot of time at the ballpark, if anybody. Uh, this upcoming summer. So it'll certainly be a lot of fun uh, to watch up close. But uh, from any perspective, this is just going to be a spectacle of a season. Yeah, I'm looking forward to getting a chance to spend some time at the ballpark. Obviously, something that we were not able to do last year with everything that was going on. And there were a lot of fans who were not able to spend any time in the ballpark as well, because, of course, the coronavirus pandemic and the way the Major League Baseball handled that and since then, we've had football and some hockey and some basketball where fans and things have been allowed back in and, and things have opened up a little bit. So looking forward to that environment, and it's odd to think about, but some of the players who are second-year players for the Yankees, Garrett Cole comes to mind, has not pitched in front of a home Yankee crowd in, in his career, even though he's got a year under his belt and pinstripes. So fascinating to see how the return of fans may affect things just a little bit as well with some of the players and, and guys who we'll get to as we go along here in the pod. But Edwin Diaz is someone at the top of my mind with how he might react to a New York crowd returning, albeit at 20% capacity or Gary Sanchez on the side of the Yankees. So re really excited to have that opportunity to go back and, and just experience that again, because it's been a while. And I know it's something that, a lot of us fans, media, otherwise, are really looking forward to and, and something at the top of my list. And it, it's, it's going to be great. I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. As we dive into the season preview a little bit and how things are shaping up for New York baseball in particular, two teams with really high expectations. The Mets, of course, with new ownership and Steve Cohen. They acquire Francisco Lindor, the Starting pitching rotation looks to be pretty good. That formidable lineup for them as well. For the Yankees, the expectations are to get to a World Series. It's been knocking on the door. 
consecutive playoff ousters for them dating back all the way to 2017 and, and Aaron Boone and the Yankees, you feel like this is the time for them to get over the hump and the expectations are really just running rampant throughout both of these organizations because these are teams that everyone feels like should be in the running to be around when, when we end things here in October. Yes, these are, it, it's good. It's going to be an exciting summer, certainly. And especially when we get down to the dog days of it. Uh, it's, it's not often in those um, in that specifically August time when you can look on either side of town and things are exciting, but yeah, but so expectations are rather high for both teams, like you're saying, and it's, it's important to notice the fact that the expectations are high in very different ways, if you will. Uh, Because, you know, you look at a team like the Yankees who have been, you know, to some extent knocking on the world series door the last couple of years, this is the year I would say the AL is wide open for them that they have to go grab. There's not much of an excuse at this point. Um, so the, the pressure on them is really high, not only to find success um, in the postseason, but to find real success, something uh, a concrete success that they can take home with them at the end of the season, if you will. Uh, and, and for the Mets, it's a matter of um, that, that opening day feeling. Mets fans have been feeling for a couple of months now because it's a feeling of something new and something bright and something, uh, something wonderful that is perhaps uh, – uh, walking through the door for them. So for for the Mets and specifically for their fans, I would say, um, this might be a time when they test their own patience, if you will, because uh, hardly ever do things happen in that first year. And I don't think anyone here expects um, truly the Mets to be a better team than the Dodgers in the National League. Um, and, you know, the Braves are still a good team. They're going to fight for the NL East also. So there's still you know, it's not as wide open for the Mets as it is for the Yankees, but so it's a different kind of pressure. It's almost a, it's almost a more exciting pressure for the Mets. Yeah, that's a fair point. I don't know that anyone is saying that this is a world series or bust year for the Mets. And I don't even know if it's a world series or bust year for the Yankees. I think that they may be able to sell to a fan base that has not won a world series since 2009, a return back to the world series, a trip back, where they have not been since they wanted in 09. And after a couple of losses in the American League Championship Series last year, the ALDS in Game 5 to the Rays. But this is a team that needs to get to the World Series because, as you mentioned, the wide-open nature when you look at what is there in the American League. There just is not a team that on paper is better than the Yankees, and now it's about providing the results. There's no way that you can go back to your fan base and sell, well, we lost to the White Sox, who seem to be their top competition, or to the Rays, or to the Blue Jays, or whoever it might be. There's none of that anymore. And the American League looks really wide open. And I feel like the Yankees are in a very good position to take advantage of it. The question for them, to me, and on the minds of a lot of people who are looking at them going into this regular season, is what does their starting rotation look like? Because you've got Garrett Cole at number one. You feel like Luis Severino coming back at some point this summer could slide into the number two two role when he gets back, and then the health, of course, being the question. But Jamison Tyone and Corey Kluber in the middle of that rotation combined for one inning last year. It was the one inning uh, thrown by Corey Kluber in his debut with Texas and then needed shoulder surgery, and then – of course, at the five-starter spot, and we'll get into 
what's going on with the Yankees and the Luke Voigt injury and all that stuff in a moment. But Domingo Herman is your five starter right now. So a guy who, because of some off the field issues, missed all of last season. So, so you've got your three through five starters on opening day. Well, depending on how the Yankees are, are going to spin it, Jordan Montgomery is going to be the other one in that fixture. And I'm not sure exactly how the Yankees will line it up, but you've got three of your five guys in your rotation, no matter how you order them, who have thrown a combined one inning over the last year. So a lot of question marks and, and you feel like the Yankees lineup is as good as anyone in baseball, the bullpen, despite some of the injuries with Zach Britton, they still have a this Chapman at the back end, Chad Green, Adam Adovino, of course, is elsewhere. They add Darren O'Day into the fold alongside Justin Wilson this offseason. So it stands to reason that they're in a decent position in the bullpen, but that starting rotation is, is a major question, and it has the upside potential. I'm inclined to think that Jamison Tyone in particular is someone who's going to be able to come back ready to go off of the Tommy John surgery, but Corey Kluber had an up-and-down spring and they're putting a lot of stock in guys who have not done a lot over the last year. Yeah, that one inning is only one more inning than the two of us combined for last yeah. year. So <laughs> worth uh, worth noting. And something uh, you and I did touch upon before uh, we started this uh, this little podcast episode here is um, if there is any team that can find pennant-level success on not power alone, but mostly power, power, power – it is this Yankee team. And that's funny enough, not something you would often say about a team that has a pitcher like Garrett Cole on their roster. That's a, that's a solidified, that's a solidified quality start every five games for the Yankees. Um, but the, that back end of, of the rotation is incredibly concerning. I agree with you. I like Jamison Tyone a lot. I think he's going to, uh, I think he's going to come right back into the spring. I think he's going to fit well on this Yankee team, but, uh, but again, two, Two pitchers, one of them we're not certain on yet, uh, is not enough to solidify a starting staff, especially not uh, come the end of uh, come the end of the season, come September, October, and the postseason. Uh, and you know it's interesting because the, the Yankees' main opponents in the American League, one might say, for this upcoming season, are teams that are in a good position to make good acquisitions at the deadline. Uh, I think the White Sox are going to make a couple good acquisitions of the deadline. I think uh, I think the Blue Jays are going to also. Um, so if, if you're the Yankees, that's really what you're looking out for, is the fact that come uh, end of July, the beginning of August, those teams that are kind of competitive now are going to start to look different and arguably better. So um, if you're the Yankees, that's something you need to be concerned about, and it's something that needs to be addressed as soon as possible. I'm curious – Speaking of moves, and uh, the Yankees won't do it because Jay Bruce has been named their starting first baseman out of camp because of the injury to Luke Boyd. But that's what I was getting to. If they would ever consider trying to make a move for a first baseman or maybe even a utility infielder with some of the flexibility that they are lacking with some of their players and keeping a, a pair of outfielders and Brett Gardner is going to be on the roster and Mike Talkman has made the roster. When you look at their reserves, they'll have four position players. 
So, so Gardner and Talkman are on there. Kyle Higashioka and Gary Sanchez in whatever order are going to be your two catchers. You need to have two on, on the roster. It's just the way it works. So then it leaves one spot. And I don't know if that'll be Tyler Wade, if that might be Tyro Estrada, when, when you look at, at the decisions that they might be in a position to make. But I just would be curious if they might consider a move at, at some point soon. Miguelian Duhar is, is going to miss some time out of camp with an injury and won't be available for them on opening day. But they really are not in a great position with Labor Torres is their starting shortstop and the injury to look void to, to move things around a little bit. And, and if they feel good about Jay Bruce, then okay. But they, they will have a hole to fill at first base and, and it's big shoes to fill for Jay Bruce. You're hoping that the injury to Luke Voigt is not significant and does not carry him out for an extended period of time, but he is going to miss a good month, two months to begin the season. And, and presumably the Yankees should be offensively powerful enough to overcome that. But it, it does, you know, cause a little trepidation here when, when you're thinking about how they're going to replace some of those things. Yeah, this has been an issue the Yankees have had. I would say specifically over the last five years or so, but uh, perhaps even farther back than that, is that they, they've got the power and they've got the talent. They've got as much talent on their roster at any given point as uh, most any team in the league typically. Um, the issue with the Yankees typically is that when it comes to the players that they have, um, the, wealth of, the wealth of that talent is not spread all that evenly across the roster. Uh, and of course, that's a problem that all teams struggle with. Uh, but when the uh, when the parity uh, is as, is as great as it typically tends to be with the Yankees, uh, just on the on the names and the guys that they'll get, um, it becomes a bit of a problem. Um, so I, I think I I don't think it would be a bad idea for the Yankees to make some kind of move. Um, uh, in, in regards to the first base position, I think the shrewdest of teams uh, and the teams that find success uh, come later in the year are the ones that um, uh, can put their ego aside and do that. I think that's a really important part of the process of building the best possible team you can have. It's not necessarily something that's been in the Yankees DNA over the last decade or so. And perhaps that's been a part of their um, issue of trying to get back to uh, get back to November. Um, so, if I'm the Yankees, I would think about it because, you know, Jay Bruce is – I have nothing against Jay Bruce. You and I grew, you and I have grown up in the age of watching Jay Bruce as part of good teams. But um, he's not that guy anymore. We all know that. He knows that. Uh, so I think if you're the Yankees and you really want to make that splash, no matter who is playing first base, it, it needs to be someone who is at that caliber right now. Interesting to consider. I don't think they'll make a move for him. I, I meant more just as a, as a right-handed hitter to replace Voigt or potentially be able to platoon. And, and Luke Voigt, as a guy who led the major leagues in home runs a year ago, is not someone you're going to find a, a chance to replace. But they're in an in a interesting spot because he's only missing the first few months of the season. I would otherwise be perhaps inclined to say, oh, go out and maybe – Take a look at Edwin Encarnacion, a guy who's been in the Yankees locker room, someone who they're familiar with, of course, and, and someone who can play first base. But uh, that's not 
really in the cards right now because after things are back to normal with Voight and, and then you don't have a place for Encarnacion to play. And of course you'd want him to be able to DH, but that's a spot that's occupied by Giancarlo Stanton in the thick of the season because of the Yankees interest in trying to keep him healthy and get all four outfield bats for them in the lineup. Those being Clint Frazier, Aaron Hicks, Aaron judge and Stanton at the same time, but the expectations are undoubtedly high for the Yankees and you are just hoping that they can find a way to weather the storm without Luke Voigt for the time being. And, and I do think it's going to be a big loss. He's a guy in the middle of their lineup that does a great job at, at finding a way on base. He does hit for power, but also work the walks. It's a very good eye to work the count. And, and somebody who, again, is a leader in home runs and was so crucial to what the Yankees were able to even accomplish amidst a bunch of other injuries last season. He, he's going to be a, a hole to fill in the middle of their lineup. But at the same time, they've, they've got enough power, and, and you feel like perhaps Jay Bruce, even though he's not that caliber of player, left-handed bat is something that's never a bad thing at, at Yankee Stadium. want to go to the Mets a little bit, too, because the expectations, of course, as we outlined at the beginning of the pod, are, are significant. And this is a, a feeling for Mets fans that hasn't been there in a long time with their ability to go out and spend this offseason and really make the improvements that were necessary to a team that a lot of people felt underperformed, but were also pretty close to being able to contend in the National League. The problem with them is that they're in a very difficult division. The NL East, perhaps the best in all of baseball. And I would also say that as much as there is a lot of chatter about how good the Mets roster is on paper, they, they really did not perform at that level last year. And, and last year to me was an extremely disappointing season for them where, where all you hear about is the Mets are really good and they've got this good roster and the lineup is really good. And I know their bullpen was, was historically bad. I mean, over the last couple of years, it's been really a problem for them at the back end. And the hope is that they have shored some of that up, although I still don't think they've done enough, if you're asking me. But this is an interesting team to look at, in my opinion, just because I know that there are a lot of pieces that, that people like and are saying, okay, th this is a team that should be able to compete. I think it's able to compete because they had Francisco Lindor. Before then, I wasn't terribly high on them. Now I would say, this is a team that, that should compete for the wild card. I still don't think that they're better than the Braves right now, but the expectation has to be playoffs for the Mets. Yes, absolutely. Um, for one thing, uh, yes, I agree. The NL East is probably the toughest of the six divisions in baseball at the moment. And, and the NL wild card race right now, as a subdivision, if you will, might be up there. Because um, th there's there are teams to contend there, specifically just from the NL East alone. Yeah, I agree. I don't think the Mets are better than the Braves at the moment, but but he here's where the positivity comes from. I think you look at a team like the 2015 Mets, uh, the the little franchise that could that got their way to the World Series somehow. And the perspective of every Mets fan was is that that happened in spite of so many things that would keep them from doing such, specifically the ownership, um, specifically um, a, a team that has not, had not been very shrewd in transactions in the years prior. Um, 
in, in spite of all these things, they were able to do such. Uh, now the perspective is different. Now it is, the door is wide open because those things have changed. That's where the positivity comes from. And there's no disagreement on, on that, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, so there are also, the Mets had a slew of times during the winter when they were in the news and it was not, um, it was not for the better um, for a handful of reasons, whether it be um, a, a misfire um, in terms of uh, the front office, whether it be the whole Wall Street disaster and how that somehow had to involve them, because of course it did. Um, all these things happen. The, but now all those things are a thing of the past. They were all able to happen before baseball was to start. Um, I don't, I don't, I'm sure you followed a couple of weeks ago when when the when the power when the power couple of Hollywood uh, A Rod and J Lo called it quits, and every Mets fan said to themselves, "Oh, thank the good heavens they did not buy the team." Because what I kept saying is, it'd be one th- it's one thing that the Wall Street stuff involved the Mets, but could you imagine if J Lo's next album somehow involved mm. the Mets? Uh, so that's out of the way. So for, for the Mets, you got to be thinking, all right, that, that stuff out of the, is out of the way. Now we have all the opportunities, the tools are there. Let's play baseball. Uh, the Lindor situation is, um, concerning, but it's not earth shattering yet. Um, it could eventually be, but perhaps it won't be. So, um, doors are very wide open for the Mets right now, especially in terms of the perspective of the last couple of years, but yeah, they're certainly not the best team in their division, let alone the National League at this point. They gave up a lot to get Francisco Lindor. And, and actually, I think the Mets made out pretty well, given how much they had to give up in that deal because of the financial situation that Cleveland was in and wanting to dump Lindor getting something before he would have undoubtedly walked in free agency. But – when you give up that much and a guy that I think a lot of people in the Mets organization liked and Ahmed Rosario, a couple of prospects as well, you don't want to make Francisco Lindor a one-year rental. Now I know that $385 million is a significant commitment. And if you're paying him until he's age 39, that is also something that has historically not worked out. The Mets, can attest to that. Well, they're not paying him right now because of his suspension, but Robinson Cano is not someone who's been able to sustain that level of production, particularly as an everyday second baseman, the way that, you know, nobody really has been able to as a position player. You look at some of those contracts, Albert Pujols in the same way in, in Los Angeles right now is not somebody that the Angels are thrilled about paying as much money as they are to him. And, and it was something the Yankees were, were stressing when Robinson Cano was a free agent in, in that whole context. And Brian Cashman saying, oh, we're only going to go seven years. We won't extend to the 10-year contract because we're worried about what the last few years are going to look like. And it, it's been more of a rule for the Yankees from their perspective in the way that they do business. Although, of course, they are taking on the contract of John Carlos Stanton, which is not kind to them. I think the the A-Rod contract really scared them off or, or wanted them, convinced them to do business a little bit smarter and taking more calculated risks in that area. But I'm, I'm inclined to say you've given up so much to them. And I know that $385 million on top of all that is an extremely big commitment. But at the same time, this guy is a top 
10 player in baseball. He's, if not the best shortstop, top two, top three. I mean, he is outstanding. Francisco Lindor is, as Mets fans, if they don't know already, are going to find out, is just a, a star upon star player. And I just don't know how you make the deal for him and then don't find a way to be able to, to get this deal done. And I just, I, I don't know. It, it's, it's a tough situation. Obviously it's not my money, but I, I really it's 385 is where you draw the line. Cohen was it, was it 10 years? I forget exactly what it was. I believe it was 10 years, 325 and Lindor wanted to go to 12, 385, make the deal. I, I say that's good enough. I say pay Francisco Lindor because it's what he's worth. He'll find that on the open market. And the Mets, for all the talk about how they're moving forward, like you just mentioned, as an organization and things are different and you're not hampered by ownership and everything that's been said to me will be reduced and maybe go a little bit out the window if they let Francisco Lindor walk. That's a will Pond's previous ownership move to trade for Lindor and then, oh, no, we can't pay him. Yeah, it, at this point, I think it's 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 Cohen learning in front of all of us um, the the issues of dealing with a with a player such as Lindor's level of talent uh, while having just bought a baseball team um, in 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 this new level and and that's okay. I think I think eventually they're going to give him the money because it's it's not that big of a gap um, like you've mentioned and. Um, if, if, if the Mets don't, then this is a matter that gets out of hand. It could affect the way he plays. It could affect the mentality of the locker room. And the, not to mention that the Mets have, um, even before Cohen was the official owner of the team, there was uh, the, the talks of extending Michael Conforto have gone on for a whole calendar year now. So this is not, not a new situation for the Mets in recent years either. Uh, but you, you did mention the Yankees, and they did, they did kind of learn – um, the, the hard way about um, about the long-term contracts and uh, they, they were able to put their foot down with Cano but you know we saw you know they, they got they got burned with A-Rod and uh, with a guy like Jacoby Ellsbury arguably they got burned also so um, th there there is a lesson to be learned there in this current free agent market in in the way that baseball currently runs on the money level on the agent level on the big talent level so that's something that needs to be learned and I think I think Cohen's just like one step away from learning it. And then that wouldn't be an issue anymore, but who am I to say? Yeah. You just don't want him walking. And, and I don't think it's productive to allow this contract situation to hang over the Mets throughout the duration of this regular season. And the farther that this goes along, quite frankly, the more leverage Francisco Lindor has because the Mets really don't want him to see free agency because then they're, they're in a situation where potentially someone else could come in with a very big bid or, or be willing to go to that 12 years, 385 or whatever the case may be. And I know that the market has not been fantastic for free agents. That's not to say that Bryce Harper and Manny Machado got initially what they were seeking or, you know, even, even this offseason, things were slow for the majority of the winter. I mean, DJ LeMahieu did not get a market that materialized the way that he had hoped. And we, we would have to see. And I, I don't think that 
the Mets would be dead in the water by allowing Lindor to test free agency. But at the same time, I just don't think it's somewhere where the Mets want to go because Lindor, to me, feels like a different player than was Bryce Harper or a Manny Machado when they hit free agency or certainly a DJ LeMahieu with Lindor being just so much younger. So it's it's an interesting conversation to have because they just are in a spot where, yes, there isn't immediate pressure on them to make this deal right now. They still do have some time. But the longer it goes on, and, and you hope from a Mets perspective, and you'd have to assume that at least Sandy Alderson understands this, the longer that this goes on, the, the more difficult it's going to be to negotiate with Francisco Lindor. And maybe they're comfortable allowing him to hit free agency. But if, if they let this thing drag on, the, the more and more likely it becomes that that will indeed be the case. Absolutely. And, you know, I think the, the, that lesson is being learned right now, like I said. Where, and, as, and as soon as that connection's made, and uh, it's, it's no longer a problem. But, you know, like you said, Lindor is a unique situation because he's a lot younger than most guys are when they hit that big market or at least are trying to get that big market. So Lindor, I think more than someone else in this current time, is going to find that market. Because like, like we've been saying, he's as talented as a shortstop as you're just going to be able to get at this point in time. So um, I think the Mets are going to realize that. I think they already do. And, and this is just the, the game that is being played. I'm going to ask you to put your GM hot, hat on, Dylan. You're in a position to uh... – to offer Lindor the contract, what's what's your final offer here? Okay, so l- let's l- let's let's go over what the ramifications were at the moment. So the Steve Cohen had said ten years, three eighty five, correct? Ten years, three twenty five. It was twelve years, three eighty five. Was Lindor's counter? So it's an extra two years, an extra sixty million dollars. So it's two more years, thirty million dollars for a team that I was there the night they celebrated the 25th anniversary of the 86 teams last time Mets found success in that, in that vein. Uh, it was the 25 year anniversary. And I believe at this point that was five years ago. So um, really long time to make a fan base wait. They have the money. Now is the time I give him that money. The, the my final offer would be the 12 years, three eighty-five. How about you? He's going to go with 12 years, 385. I'm with you. I, I'm inclined to agree that, that this is a guy who is worth that money as sometimes challenging as it may be to deal with some of those contracts. I, I like it, and I like Francisco Lindor a lot. I think he's going to be a major factor in not only being someone who's going to allow them to win on the baseball field, but also off of it in the clubhouse and just changing the culture that's been around the best for a long time in the struggle and the things that we outlined at the beginning of the pod. And, and I would, would give it to him because again, you don't want him to hit free agency. That's, that's not where the Mets want to be. So I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'd go the 12 years, 385 and, and say, all right, then, then we're going to make that deal. He's going to be worth it. We're going to counter you Francisco Lindor to really, make that big time impact, which I think he is capable of. So that, that's what I would expect and I would do. I want to finish up here with some regular season predictions. And 
two teams, again, with the high expectations and anything below 90 wins is going to be a major disappointment. I would surmise, based upon reading the tea leaves with these two teams, Let's go with the Yankees first. Uh, Dylan, what's your, what's your regular season prediction, win total, and what we'll get into the postseason in a minute? Now, okay, so I think um, there's, there's an inclination to say that this is a, like a 103 or so win team uh, because they look like it on paper at the moment. Not necessarily pitching staff, uh, but pa- just power alone could, could do that. Uh, and also the division's wide open and the league itself is wide open this year in the American League. Uh, but I think specifically Toronto is going to really improve themselves. The deadline is going to give the Yankees a hard time near the end. So I'm going to say I'm going to put the Yankees at 99 wins uh, in the regular season. They win the East, um, probably the best team in the American League. I'm going to say they're going to be the top team in the American League regular season. And then, uh, yes, yeah, so that'd be my pick for the Yankees. I don't think Toronto has enough pitching. I don't think the Rays have enough pitching right now, although they, to me, still might remain the top threat to the Yankees as crazy and and contrary to what is being circulated right now as that is. I just I, – I know that Toronto has a very good lineup, which they, they do, but that pitching staff for them is a problem. Uh, behind Hunjin Ryu, who you can even – question is a number one caliber starter. He did start an all-star game, but w- was certainly not the number one guy in Los Angeles with the Dodgers and somebody who hasn't been able to replicate that same type of success as he has come to Toronto and somebody, the Yankees who hit left-handed pitching very well, have not had terrible trouble with. I, I just don't see it enough from their starting rotation or their bullpen. I, I just don't know where the pitching is going to come from. And that's, even more so than the Yankees, it's just a major question mark because, I mean, I don't even know for them who would close games right now. It's it's interesting. And Charlie Montoyo has done an excellent job with the Blue Jays. I, I just think it's going to be difficult for them to piece things together. The Rays just, for whatever reason, seem to find a way. And I know that they look down, and I don't think they should be able to compete with the Yankees, although I didn't think they would be able to beat the Yankees last year and they were able to do it. And every time – that you count out the Rays or say, all right, they lost Blake Snell and lost a couple of pieces in their bullpen. And they they still just find a way and have a really good farm system and and flow of players coming up to the major league. So I would watch out still for Tampa Bay this year. I still expect that the Yankees over the course of 162 should be in a position to win the division. I think they'll be able to win 102, 103 games. But to me, in, in looking at things, I just feel like the Rays are, are actually in a better position than the Blue Jays right now. And, and I know that that's not the popular opinion. I also think the Red Sox will be a little bit better, though they won't be anywhere near competing. I think Alex Cora coming back will improve that team, although they are in a bit of a rebuild and don't have certainly enough starting pitching, although Chris Sale will improve it coming back from the Tommy John surgery at some point, as will Eduardo Rodriguez but the Yankees are the most balanced team. They've got the best offense in the American League East. The pitching a question mark, but I think the pitching is a question mark for really everybody who's in that division. Yeah. Maybe outside of Tampa Bay, you feel like their pitching is going to be good. It's the lineup that you question. Although, again, the Blake Snell loss due to the trade is is significant. So I, I like the Yankees to win those, those 100, 203 games. 
again, the difference between 99 and, and 102 in the, the grand scheme of baseball is not large at all. And we're on the same page there. Let's go to the Mets here. Difficult NL East. Where do you see them finishing? Okay. So in terms of placement, I think you and I both agree they're going to end up in second place in the NL East. Uh, I think the Braves are a team that's going to win 97 games, we'll say. Uh, and then we'll put the Mets at, let's say, 91, I think is a, is a good number to put the Mets at. So 91 games, second place, maybe 92. So put them about five games behind the Braves, which I think is, is fair. And that would, I guess, put them probably the first wild card would be close for those two wild card spots, but I think the Mets might squeeze out that home field in the wild card game. So that's where I put the Mets. Mets are a tough team to figure out sometimes, and especially in that division, which can take, uh, you know, you in a bunch of different directions with, with the way that some of those teams are boomer bust. Like I really like Philadelphia too. I think they're a really strong team and and Joe Girardi in year two if he could ever figure out that bullpen situation that was so tough for them their lineup is is stacked I mean D.D. Gregorius and Bryce Harper and Reese Hoskins and 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 the others that are in that lineup with with a solid starting rotation Aaron Nola is in the mix there Zach Wheeler as well it was their bullpen that was was historically bad last year it was it was awful I mean Joe Girardi had no one to even turn to to try and close a baseball game with, with the Phillies. And they've done their best to try and add on the margins to the the bullpen as best they could. And, and we'll see if that works out. But I, I don't know where to put the Mets in the context of, I don't know what you're going to get from the Phillies. I, I feel like the Phillies could win 100 games if their bullpen showed up or, or they could find something there. But also if the bullpen is – relatively as bad as it was last year. I don't think it can ever be as bad as it really was. And they're an 85-win team. So so there's a lot of fluctuation there. I think that around 90 games is the right number. I might go a little bit lower than you at maybe a, a strict 90. And, and you'd have to see where that, that sees them fall. And I think the Braves around right, around the, that 100-game mark, win the division, and, and to me, the key is is the Phillies, because I think that's a team that, that's a little bit boomer bust that I could see finishing in second. I could see them finishing in, in fourth. And, and Miami, a team that as impressive as the run was over the 60-game season, I don't think will be back, although a team that will make things more difficult. I, I like the Mets to finish. I really like the Phillies. I, I think the Mets finish third. I think at 90 games, I think the, the, the Mets finish third. The Phillies at, at say 93 finish second that's going to be a close race and, and wherever that sees them fall I, I think they could make a, a run at the wild card of course 90 games puts you in that mix what the, what the rest of the league will look like of course tough to to predict I think it could be a second wild card for the Mets but I, I think I would slow the roll on the expectations just a little bit because of some of the uncertainty with the injuries the way the starting rotation is going to look of course Jacob DeGrom is really good but the, the bullpen to me is the major question mark. And it, that's, that's the biggest thing for me. I don't know if they have done enough to improve that area. They have improved certainly in the, in the lineup at shortstop with Francisco Lindor at catcher, James McCann coming. I just, the bullpen raises some concerns for me. So I'll go 90 games and, and a third place finish there. As we go to the, to the postseason, I guess we got to pick a world series champion here. So who are you taking? Uh, well, so I, I, 
the the coldest of takes um, would be to give the most uh, common matchup, which would be I think it's going to be Yankee Dodger World Series, um, and uh, just knowing nothing about what those teams are going to be like come October November. I'm going to take the Yankees in five games. I say this is this is number 28 year for the Yankees. How about you? Mets fan taking the Yankees. Well, I just don't see how the Dodgers don't make it to the World Series again. Yeah. And I know it's extremely hard to do, but they have gone out and they have spent and added to a team that was already a World Series champion. And you feel like them getting over the hump last year is really going to free them up to try and chase the World Series. The Braves will be in the mix, and they were close last year. But I, and I know the Padres, even in their own division, are, are a team that's really built up and, and has a chance to challenge them. I just have a hard time thinking the Dodgers won't be back. So I'm going to go with the Dodgers out of the NL. And I think it is the Yankees. I'm, I'm inclined to agree with you in the AL. I just don't see anybody else at the moment that is on paper. And that's what we're doing right now. This, there's a reason why they end up playing the regular season and, and playing the games. But right now we're dealing with on paper. And, and that to me is the New York Yankees. They are the most talented roster in the American league. And, and my prediction is that they'll get it done. Now, this has been the case for the last couple of years. They haven't delivered, but I'm going to go with the Yankees and the Dodgers. And I would take the Dodgers to win that world series. I just think they're really talented. And, and in the continuity they've built up and in particular that pitching rotation, I do think at times Trevor Bauer is a little bit overrated, but when he's your four starter, that, that looks pretty darn good on, on the starting rotation for the Dodgers. So I like the Dodgers in, in, We'll call it six games. It'd be a close series, but I think L.A. would take it over the Yankees in, in a potential World Series. That's a good place for him, I think, uh, is the four spot for Bauer. I think that's just the right place for him to be. And I know you have reservations about picking the Dodgers to go to the World Series again, but I think a testament to how good the Dodgers have been over the last couple of years is that um, they had to face the Astros and the Red Sox in years where um, who knows what the validity of them being in the World Series was. Um and still gave both teams a really, really hard fight for that championship. So I think that just goes to show how good this Dodgers team is. And uh, I think it's absolutely fair to say they're going to be in the World Series again. The, the one thing about baseball is just sport in particular is that teams are able to hang around in the postseason mix a lot more often and frequently than in other sports. A lot of times it's really difficult when you get to a World Series or you're close in the ALCS or the ALDS to get back is always a challenge. And it is, but the nature of baseball, because it's the 162, the really good teams are going to have the opportunity to, to bear that out over a longer period of time where you won't get a fluke injury or a fluke stretch that'll really down you. And then your inability in an ability and in a position to go forward and compete in the playoffs. So, I do think the Dodgers are going to be there again. I don't know what their, you know, end will look like. And, and that's always difficult to try and predict a World Series. But just on paper, I, I would say that it's got to be the Dodgers over the Yankees. And the Yankees, it, it's time. It's time to get to the World Series. It's, it's been long enough for the fan base and the money that they've spent and invested. And it's, it's year five with this core now dating back to, to 16 and 17 coming up. And they've been able to compete and, and put themselves in position 
but haven't been able to get over it. And, and to me, they're, they're out of excuses, particularly with the way that you, you looked at the landscape of, of this season and the way the American League would shake out. So I like it to be the Dodgers and the Yankees. Dylan does as well. We differ on, on who might win that series, but that is many months away, and, and we're looking forward to getting things going here in the regular season. Opening day, opening week, right around the corner. That'll wrap it up for us. The regular season preview of the nosebleeds. You can catch up, catch us every week on iTunes, WFUBSports.org, wherever you get your pods. Dylan Balsamo, Nick DeLuca. Happy opening day, everybody. Enjoy the return of baseball.